Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to episode 180. This is a very, very important episode for me, and um, I'll tell you why in a minute, but let's just get into it. And uh, just, I just want to give one quick disclaimer because there's a lot of sound going on in the background. I'm trying to mute them, my mic, and you can hear a little sound. My neighbors are throwing some party or some shit, so... Forgive me for that, but it's not much I can do about it because, you know, this mic just picks up a lot of volume, so whatever, but um, yeah, let's just get into it, and um, thank you for being with us, so let's get it. <clears throat> okay, guys, we are back here again. This one's a very personal, it's a special guest of mine, um... Uh, bring you guys back to three years ago. I did an episode on my best friend at the time, Lori Leisure. She, um, yeah, she had passed away, and I wanted to kind of dedicate an episode to her. Um, but one of the things I don't talk about enough is part of the podcast should be dedicated to her. Uh, excuse me, dedicated to her as well because, um, you know, I promised her a long time ago that I would always try to live my life for the both of us and try to be the best person I can be and, 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 you know, try to make a difference in some way. And, you know, I always felt like she was there with me after it all happened. Obviously, when it did happen, I was pretty distraught and it, it took me down a really bad path mentally. And, um, you know, I struggled with my own way. I grieved in my own way. So it, it, it sucked. But, you know, we're, we're here now in 2023. And, you know, she's still someone I think about often and someone you know that means a lot to me no matter how much time has passed uh but one of the things i wanted to do throughout life just with this podcast is uh, once i had recorded that episode at one point i i brought it to her family's attention that i just we should do an episode um and from their from their standpoint from their point of view because they were there and they saw more than i did and uh heard more and felt more um, they still grieve to this day because, you know, it's their daughter, of course. <clears throat> so I wanted to reach out to them again, and here we are. I have her mother, Angel Leisure. Hello. Hi. Um, of course, thank you for, for coming on. I appreciate you for doing it. No, we appreciate you, TJ. Um, you're doing a lot for your community for doing this. Yeah. Um, I'm trying my best, you know, like I said, I have my ups and downs as, as you do, you know, we talk about it every so often. I know you deal with depression a lot and, um, and other health conditions and, you know, I guess it's the best place for you to be because I have so many people on that have, you know, the same problems, um, and, or other problems. And it's just, I wanted to try to create a place where people can just be themselves and, you know, go without judgment. Yeah. Um, people need that yeah for sure now um you know i don't want to dig too much into your particular point you know unless you want to share but your personal health issues but can you explain a little bit about your memory just because it it, it may be a a reason why you can't remember certain things because obviously i don't want it to look like you forgot your daughter or you can't remember certain things because you weren't there or whatever yeah well and I don't mind talking about anything at all, even my own personal life. Um, I've worked in mental health for many years. Um, as a child, I had a very bad childhood, and I'm sure you knew that. You know that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, and so to protect myself, my mind automatically blocked a lot of things. So as I got older, it still did it for many years. Like I barely remember being pregnant. 
And then things got better in my life when I met my husband and we, you know, we started having our babies, but the pregnancies didn't stick very well in my mind. And over the years, I started remembering things and it was getting great because my memory, you know, was, was there. And then a few years ago, um, I got into a car wreck because I was taking Ambien and driving um, because I was trying to drown my feelings for my daughter. Yeah. And um, I hit my head in the car wreck. And when I um, did that, it um, gave me short-term memories. Now I have long-term memory loss and short-term memory loss. So I forget things that happened in the past from one way. And then um, things that currently happen because of another reason. So a lot of my memory is like very foggy unless you bring a detail up or something. A lot of times I don't remember things. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, no, I mean, so I'll, I'll bring up a little bit when, when, when Lori and I met, we met on a dating site and she had this friend, I don't forget her name. It was like Shanna or something like that. Um, and they were just kind of calling random people, like getting people's numbers and calling them and just kind of screwing with them. And I think that was their intention for me. It's just something clicked where we kind of just hit it off and, you know, there was a flirtatiousness to it, but we eventually, I mean, I more so than her had to realize that we probably couldn't date because her health issues and my health issues and not being able to drive. And it was just, she lived in Ohio. I lived in Pennsylvania. Um, but like as the relationship developed, you know, it, it almost, because we would talk every day, all day and I know. I vividly remember a lot of time. It was almost like we were in a show and like a sitcom and like all her family would make cameos. Like somebody would just like, you would just randomly come and you would like put your boobs on her head and just screw with her. And it would just be funny because it was just like, it was just random out of nowhere and she'd be embarrassed. Um, uh, I don't know how much you remember of those type of things, but it was, um, it was always very funny because then the more we talked, you guys kind of got, you know, you were, you were very intri intrigued by who I was. And obviously then I think at one point you guys put me on the phone almost to like grill me, like, who is this guy? And then I don't know how I did, but I guess I must have did all right because you seem to, you seem to be okay with my presence. Yeah, well, your family. So yeah, um, you're, you're my son-in-law that I will never have. Um, I, we love you dearly. You you meant a lot to Lori. You, I remembered a lot of those things now that you bring it up. Um, yeah, I, I always put my boots on my kids' shoulders and they act like it's killing them because they're 56 triple G. So, you know, they're humongous. Um, and so they act like, you know, I put a boulder on their back and they're dying now. Um, yeah. I remember the boys would go in their, her, their room and fart in her room to bother her. Um <laughs> And, you know, they were protective of their sister because, you know, that was their big sister. Um, I, they would also go and put um, spiders in the bathroom. They were big spiders and, um, and a clown on her door handle. Yeah. And she would get mad because, do you remember that? Yeah, she was afraid of a lot of things. And she was a very, yeah. she, could, she could be very, very sensitive at times. Yes. That was one of the things I think I was, I was trying to help her with because... Um, I remember one time, and this is, I don't want to, I'm only telling this because it, it makes sense, but there was a time where that same friend, she, she was like dating some other guy, and I guess he had like a speech impediment or something, and we all got in the room, we were kind of making fun of him, but I didn't know he had a speech impediment, I thought he was just doing a voice or a character, and once I found out, I was like, okay, well, alright, I'm like, I'm sorry about it, I didn't know that's what this was, she kept going and doing it, and I had to like, 
get them off the phone to talk to her. I'm like, no, you can't do that, sweetie, because you know how you know how hard it is for you to even share that you're like a cancer survivor, even though that's an amazing thing. You can't be so uptight and then make fun of him. Like you have to, you know. And, and that was one of the things like I, I tried to do in our relationship is to make her understand some of those things because she was so scared of letting people know who she really was and seeing her for who she is and, and all that because she t- it took a long time for her to really explain her conditions to me um yeah because she was always on breathing machines and things and um there's a lot of times I didn't I didn't know any of those those things because she just played it off and just talked and had a good time and she was really good at hiding certain like hiding like some of her deep dark feelings yeah she she hit she hit a lot of things even for me until I had no choice but to become aware of it, unfortunately, because he thought it would be better not to tell us. Um, I remember when um, she was on, now that you mentioned it, she was on um, life support several times and would, she would point at her phone and then bring up your name. And I'd be like, you want me to call TJ? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, but Lori, you can't talk. And she, she would point at that phone and tap it and bang on it. And you'd sit there for hours with her just on life support talking to her, doing whatever you're doing, and she just listened to you like it was a normal day in paradise while she's on life support. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I'll, well, we can get into the, the last conversation I had with her at some point, but, like, those, I, mean, I spent so many, because she would get pneumonia all the time, and yeah. she would always be sick, she would always be in the hospital, especially towards the last, like, year or two of her life, and so I spent a lot of time just on the phone with her trying to get the numbers for the, the hospitals and all that, and we would just spend hours and it's just all you hear is beeping and, and then the breathing machine and nurses coming in. And of course that, you know, brings my anxiety up because I spend so much time in the hospital, but you know, you got to do what you got to do as a friend to, to sacrifice certain things. And, and, um, but the thing is at the same time, like as though some of it was sad and some of it was, could be anxious at times for me. Um, we had a lot of great even though even when she's in the hospital had a lot of fun silly conversations that were you know inside jokes and whatever and you know I I think you know the more we talk and the more I think about it like it's more I I learned a lot about myself back then because I I didn't know how strong I really was even though I had beaten you know a really major disease I didn't really look at that as strength at the time because I just was still shameful of my own issues but what I had to endure by just like you know, holding on and trying to make her feel safe and, and, and okay, even though we both deep down didn't know, or we both knew she probably wasn't going to be okay, that was kind of the hardest thing I ever had to go through psychologically because I was, you know, I, I had to just put my mind at ease and just say, okay, like, I don't know how much longer I have with this woman, but I have to just go all in and, and try to make her believe that she has another 50 years. Yeah. <clears throat> you did you did a great job trying to help her. I mean, she she knew what was in store for her, unfortunately, because I never we never kept secrets from her from even the time she was a baby. Um, when we knew she was at nine years old, we knew she was going to die. Um, we never kept I never kept it a secret. Um, and maybe I should have. I don't know. I just didn't want her to miss out on anything in life, so I always made sure that she got to do everything because. She, she deserved it just like everybody else does. Sure. Um, she was supposed to. She, she was supposed to die younger though, wasn't she? She was supposed to pass away between the ages of twelve and they thought between twelve and seventeen, but she was supposed to be twenty-two. And they said the most she would live would be nineteen at the very, very most. 
Right. Um, and she was going to be 22. So she, the doctors were amazed. They said not, they didn't know of any people that had ganglioglioma and astrocytoma, pulmonary fibrosis, the heart disease that she had because her heart had was tilted and it, and it flowed backwards. Um, and she had a lot of other things. They said they never had never had anybody with all those different complications live that long. Um, something else usually took them before if they could, could make it into adulthood. Yeah. Well, I don't care what you say about your memory. You remembered all that. All, <laughs> those, all those giant doctor words, those medical words. You remember, That's pretty damn impressive. I work in the medical field. <laughs> Fair enough. But still, you remembered all that. So that's... Very impressive. You were you were gonna sh- uh, I forget now. You were gonna share a story before I cut you off. Um, oh, I I remember she. I found out that she uh, was cutting herself. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And it I didn't I didn't um, understand why she was doing it because I always thought my kid will come and talk to me and she and I always thought that. And she said, "Mom, I I come and talk to you, but there's times I just need to handle it on my own." And the way to do it was for her to cut herself. And it tore me up inside when I saw her body because it was riddled with scars, like under her breast, on her legs, her thighs, anywhere I couldn't see it, she had it hidden. And the only reason why I started seeing it was because the last year of her life, I had to bath her and her brothers had to help bath her. So um, that's the only reason why I noticed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you said something earlier because one of the things with her, she like there there was other times where it looked like she was gonna die. Um, I believe yeah. I believe it was either a year or somewhere within a year before she ended up passing. I remember you. I think you were on the phone with my mother. I was on the phone or I was on the steps listening. You guys were talking, and she was in the hospital yeah. and she was in really bad shape. And I kind of just went upstairs and cried because I figured this was it. And she she ended up pushing through and, and making another year. And then um, somewhere within that, that's when she kind of cut me off. She stopped talking to me for a while. And I, I really resented her for a while. And she she reached out. Well, I I got, my mom would keep track of her Facebook, or, or I think it was, one, and maybe it was your Facebook, it was somebody. And, and I, they was, she was saying, but you need to talk to Lori because she's like bleeding out and she's in really bad shape, having breathing troubles and this and that. And I'm like, and I'm trying to struggle with the fact that I'm like pissed at her, but now like I don't want my friend to die. And then she, then Lori calls me out of the blue, like everything is okay. And 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 I just like, just just outlashed. I was just I just completely let her have it because I was so mad. And again, I didn't I didn't have a lot of the details. I just went at her because I just was I was like, well, how do you why do you treat me like that? Cause she like blocked my number. She just wouldn't talk to me, and so it just it hurt me more than anything. And then. Um, then I got more news, and, and, and it just kept getting worse, and I'm just like, shit. So that's when, you know, when I called her. Um, it was it was, <clears throat> it was the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life because I, I had it in my head that I don't, I don't have much time with her, and I don't know. And it, it just felt very ominous, and yeah. I, whatever it was, I didn't know. And I, I ended up having, she, she was dead two days later. I do remember that, but I didn't, you know, obviously you don't know that going in. So I just, we had this, I don't know, couple hour conversation with her in the hospital and we just laughed, had a good time. And I, again, I had to pretend, I had to make her feel like everything is going to be okay, even though neither of us believed that shit. And it happened. 
I don't know how it happened. Some I, I barely remember any of it because it was just, I just was in this zone. And the only thing I could see is just, you know, make sure we end, you know, amicably. And let's just laugh, have a good time, say we love each other. And, and you know, hopefully I'll hang up the phone and I'll see her again or I'll talk to her again. Um, obviously yeah. that didn't happen. But, you know, it, yeah, those were, again, those sometimes... I won't forget for, for many reasons and for many different emotions, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was tough. Like it, it was, it was a really tough time for, for me during, you know, and after. Yeah. I remember I, I kept calling Lori, Lori, you need to talk to TJ. You need to talk to TJ. I don't know why she didn't talk to you. She would get, she would get upset. And I think it's because you had more of a life than she did maybe because she couldn't go outside of her house. She couldn't, we couldn't even take her shopping to the grocery store. When we tried, it would be in bad way. Like, we'd end up having to go to the ER because she couldn't breathe. Or even with oxygen, because the tank never pushed enough oxygen. She was on 12 liters at home, which is a lot of oxygen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I feel like maybe, and I'm not sure about this. This is just mommy guessing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. she, you know, I think she felt a little hurt that you had a, more of a life than she did and she wanted to be part of your life whether it was as a friend or anything you know she she always loved you tj you know as her I best know, friend in the whole wide world and you know and i think it hurt her that you were able to become more of an adult and and achieve more than she ever could and she saw it and she knew it was at the end and she didn't want to hold you back and she didn't want to be hurt watching it at the same time because I know she stopped you on Facebook <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Even when she wasn't talking to you. Yeah. And I kept saying, Lori, you need to talk to TJ. You need to talk to TJ. And so I said, Lori, listen, the doctor said you might not make it. You need to talk to TJ because we're going to put you on life support. And this is this could be the last few, you know, few days you have alive. So let's, you know, you need to end this with TJ on a good note because, you know, you love each other. You guys, you know, have been there through thick and thin um and so i finally just said you know you have no choice you need to talk to him he's your best friend you love him and if you if you pass away with this hurt it'll bother you for eternity and it'll bother him you don't want that laying on his soul every day and so she finally said okay and i made sure she called you and i think i left the room for a while so she could talk to you yeah, I definitely appreciate you saying that because, uh, yeah, there was times I remember, I don't know if I've ever told this story, I was dating a girl at a time and obviously she hated any girl I ever gave any other attention to other than her and so she she tended to try to make my life hell at times because she she would she'd be online and she would she would post, I remember I remember being with this girl and I'm, I'm sitting at her dinner table and I see a post online, something to the effect that she's going to hurt herself and that she's lonely and all these things. And she knew that was going to get my attention. So yeah. during this whole comp during this whole dinner I'm having, I just pull my phone. Out. I'm like, I'm going to call my friend. And it's like, I'm calling a girl in front of the girl I'm with. And of course right. I'm getting looks from her mother. I'm getting looks from her. And I'm just like, look, I got to make sure my friend's okay. I even though I know she's probably doing this for attention, I can't just see her. I can't just like act like I didn't see that. And then if she goes and hurts herself, I'm going to sit here and feel regret. So, you know, and, and she did that a few times off and on. And, you know, of course it, it, it drew a rip between us at times, 
but you know, again, it, it, it sucks because there's a lot of things she she would do certain things and never tell me the full like perspective and, and what was bothering her because again, I didn't know a lot about the, the the breathing machines and I didn't know about a lot of that stuff until um, later. And and because yeah. she kept a lot from me, I, obviously I knew she had health issues. I knew she, I knew the cancer thing because the cancer thing was something I had to get out of her after a while because she wouldn't. She was would just she. It would almost like I had to call it the c word because she just didn't want to even talk about it. And I was telling her how amazing she was for like beating cancer. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Um, yeah. I'm like that's so that's awesome. Like good for you. You're still here. And then she would say like, you know, I'm 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 18 and you know. I was supposed to die at, at 17 or whatever. And I'm just like, you're still here. The fuck? Like, be happy, girl. Like, you're, and again, of course, I didn't know all the detail. I didn't know how bad she was. And it obviously got worse and worse as time went on. But, um, yeah, no, I, I again, I, I always knew she, she loved me and I, and I loved her back. It just, like I said, there was, there was a time there. It just, it got rough. But I, I, I do know in hindsight, like, why she did what she did. I mean, you know, like when she was in the worst case scenario, worst shape, I mean, she, tried to keep me so that I didn't see how she was. And I understand because it would have destroyed me and it would have taken me off the focus of what I was dealing with in life at that time. But, you know, I still wanted to be there for her, just unfortunately. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I, I got over a lot of that. Well, I know she appreciated you. I mean, she just she just wanted what everybody else, a normal person, had. Um you know, she wanted to be a dentist when she would grow up. I don't know if you knew that. I, I if, if I do, I forgot it. Yeah, she always wanted to be a dentist. And, you know, and we planned on helping her go through college to become one. And then when she was um, in, let's see, fifth grade, they told us that she could not go back to school. It was either fifth or sixth grade. They said she can't go back to school. And they wanted, to, they wanted her to have homeschooling. And we were like, why? And they said, because she's on oxygen. She can't go up and down the steps. We can't let, we don't like the kids using the elevator. And there was just this long list. They were like, she's a fire hazard because of the oxygen. If something would happen, it, you know, it could explode. Yeah. And, and really that, that was illegal for them to do that. But I was okay with her staying home. I had no problem with it. It was safer for her. She was on chemo, radiation. It was just, it was fine. I, I, to me, that was better. Um, you know, and, and I didn't have to worry about anybody hurting her, you know, no kids hurting her, nothing happening. Um, so we, we kept her home and then over the years she, she graduated high school actually with straight A's, but once she got out of high school, she, she couldn't do anything. She knew that she couldn't handle it anymore. She barely did make it through high school and, the school actually didn't even want to um, finish her last few months of school because she was 18 um, before her senior year began, and they were saying, "Well, we don't have to. We don't have to fund her to be able to have a home school anymore. Which she can drop out." And she was not. She was adamant. I am not dropping out. I am getting my high school diploma. And we had to fight with the school for probably four or five months before we finally got a home tutor back in. And um, so they would pay for it. Because they did not want her to, they didn't want to pay for her to finish high school, even though she was a straight A student. And, you know, she, she, all she was, was wanted to, you know, she wanted to do what everybody else did. She wanted to graduate. They wouldn't even let her go to the um, graduation. They wouldn't let her go to the graduation that year either. Yeah. She would talk a lot about her schooling because 
it always they always brought attention to what was wrong with her and she always hated that like she'd be in a classroom and and you know she basically was just like a giant billboard for people to just look at and and tease or you know laugh or whatever because she she had the oxygen tank and she just had everything you know she was just her conditions were so obvious to people she was a pretty girl but she just you know it was so so obvious to everyone that obviously there's something wrong with her and you know high school that high school can be very brutal to anybody who's you know uh, who's like that yeah and she would pass out in school and she did these little nifty pass outs where it looked like she would fall asleep but she wasn't falling asleep it was because her oxygen level was so low she was most people don't walk around anything below like 70 mostly people don't even walk around when they hit like 78 75 they're not doing too good great now she was walking around the school and going to school at 38 99 and 100 is where you're supposed to be um she was going to school at 38 and then she would pass out like these little quick pass out moments and the teachers were having fits saying she's falling asleep and everything so one day I had to take her to the doctors and the doctors put her on a, um, a pulse oximeter and said, no, she, she's not falling asleep. She's passing out. And he called the ambulance for her and um, sent her to Columbus Hospital from his office in Morristown. Because she was so strong. She, he said he'd never seen a person walk around like that because she was determined to go to school until she had no choice. Yeah, I'm sure that... Because one of the things I, I, I've, I've thought of over the years, like when, when she did pass, like you could tell that, if, and, and from my point of view, it seemed like she was kind of like the backbone of like the connection between everybody. Because, um, you know, one of the things like her and I would kind of, I wouldn't say argue about, but she would, she would say how you guys never really had a lot of money. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's fine. And she would say, well, you know, you, you know, your mom buys you whatever you want and all that. And, and I was right. But I'm like, you have a tighter niche family than I do. Like you're so your family's so close. Um, and I think she started to see that towards the end. But then I know when she died, a lot of people kind of went in their own direction. And it, it kind of I think I think she really, you know, she kept everyone together and sane. And it seemed like for a while it really kind of drew a, a rip into the family. Just just her absence. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, there was a long time we had money. Me and my husband both worked with good jobs, and we were making, you know, about 60000 a year between me and Rich. No, that's, back then, that was a lot of money. Sure. Um, but then my husband got her at work, and uh, where he worked at laid him off, and they would not bring him back. Um, we ended up suing them, but all we got was $20,000 to get his arm fixed and well, his hand fixed and you know we obviously that wouldn't even pay for the surgery so we just lived on it for a few years and I continued to work and until he was able to handle you know his hand was able to be you know strong enough to do things again which took about three years and I mean so we weren't always poor I hate to use that word but we weren't always tight with money until the very end of her life, the last few years of her life, um, things just got really bad. We were told we couldn't keep her on um, her medical card um, unless 
we got rid of things and we did get rid of things because we couldn't afford her medicine. There was no way we could afford the propate. So to keep her on it through children's medical with medical disabilities, you only can have so much assets in your life. And so we, we had to get rid of two vehicles and they left us with a, one vehicle. And then they said, oh, you can't own your own place. So we had to sell our trailer that we lived in. And, you know, it was just like one thing right after the other. And then, you know, it was, we just lost everything all at once. And I felt like, I felt like we were being tested. Yeah, and then, sure. you know, because we, we had a wonderful trailer. We had a wonderful life. And then all of a sudden, just like the dark cloud came over us. And Lori was getting thicker and thicker. And money was getting tighter and tighter. And then. You know, there was nothing, there was nowhere to look, nowhere to turn. I mean, there were times I didn't even have a car to get her to the doctors. I could, I would have to let her go to the hospital at 17 years old and be admitted, and her brother would go over and stay with her because he could get a ride there, and I couldn't get there because he was closer. I mean, there was a lot of things that really hurt, and I wish I could have done better, but I did the best I could for her. And right. she knows that. No, no. Um, but, um, yeah, I, we were very tight with money the last few years of our life, and I wish I could have done more, and we just couldn't. But, you know, things are back to getting back to normal for us now. That's good. So I wish she was here to see it. And she did hold us together because we were always, all of us wanted to be there for her. She was like her, her brother's mommy. She, I would tell them, you're grounded at four years old, at, at whatever age they were at. They could be teenagers. And I'd say, Nick, Josh, you're grounded. I don't want to hear it no more. Just go to your room. And she'd be like, no, you go out and play. I'd be like, you're not their boss. And she's like, yes, I am. I'm like, you're not their mother. She's like, I don't care. I'm their boss. I'm, I'm, they could listen to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, of course, they would just cross five and do what they wanted because she was boss. <laughs> yeah, she's a very defiant little thing. She, uh... Yeah, she was. She had a, the biggest heart, but... Yeah. She just she she felt like she had to be a cold, hardcore B word. Mm hmm So nobody would hurt her is what she thought. Yeah, I mean you have to when you go through some of the things that she's going through and I mean I I've I've had to develop it in my own life, just you know, I've had to you have to get thick skin because again, like I said before, you're kind of a billboard for what people look at as something as an easy target and we're going to make fun of you because you're whatever, you know? And in her case, right. she had a lot of things that were very obvious to people's eyes and, you know, she had to develop toughness. And then on top of it, knowing that you're going to die sooner than later. And, yeah. you know, and again, I'm, I'm sure even being the only girl out of the three siblings, like you got to be tough because you got two boys. Um, yeah. You know, and, and she just she just was tough all around, but but beneath all that, she was just a softy and a very she sweet was a person. Scared kitten. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was really funny how tough she tried to be at times. She would have her guard up, and I'm like, you know, that's not gonna work on me, right? Like, I I know your secrets. Like, you can't do that anymore. Like, that doesn't work. I know what makes you laugh. I know what makes you cry. So, like all that tough girl shit doesn't work anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What was that like being like, cause I, I feel like 
she, you almost you and and your and you know, your your sons and your husband probably took her condition worse than she did because she seemed to. I mean, I know she obviously had moments of depression and obviously you know she was cutting and all that, but like being around her was it very like you know magnetic where like you just you you know you just kind of drew from her energy it was able to keep you uplifting because she was more positive about it than you were yeah a lot of times she was until the very end but yeah she she was very she was a she was a brat (laughs) um she 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 didn't want to hold her back at all until the very very end and she she would uh do everything anything anybody wanted to do she wanted to do it too and i'd be like lori can't go do that you can't go do that and she's like yes i can i remember like the boys would want to go out and they'd want to ride their bikes and she'd she'd take her bike she'd get on the bike and she'd have them like we call rednecking they redneck the oxygen tank to the side of the bike and she'd be driving that bike down the road (laughs) um because she she felt like it was something she should be able to do and then she'd get down to the bottom of the hill, and I'd have to go get her because she couldn't get the bike back up the hill because of her breathing. Um, but she did it. She's like, I'm, I'm doing it. And I remember some boys would, you know, like were picking on her brothers one day, and so she would, she would go out after them. She would take her oxygen off, and she'd go attack these little these kids because, and they would be teenagers, and she would, she would physically attack these boys because they were, you know tormenting her brothers or something and, and she didn't care she didn't care if it was joking or not but she she was like a big center of our life she really was she both my boys well i know josh told her he was gay before he told me right um but i knew from before i even had him that he was going to be gay nick i don't know if he told her beforehand or before she passed away or not um but they, they were always very open and honest with her. They loved her more than anything. They spent hours in her room sitting with her, coloring, painting her nails, like goofing off with her, just everything. So she, she, she was a big center of our life. And then to watch her just like to go from a, for me as her mom, to watch her go from this beautiful little newborn baby to this beautiful, you know, 10 year old and then to this, you know, 14 year old and then to this 18 year old where I wanted all this hope for her. And then started shutting down when she was in her twenties because she only, the last two years were very, very bad. Yeah. For sure. um, so when she was 20, things started going downhill and I, could, I, I felt like I was being smothered because there was nothing I could do to make it better for her. And I remember she would be like, oh, no, I'm fine, Mom, I'm fine. And I'd be like, no, Lori, it's not fair. And I'd be the one yelling at her, saying, it's not fair. You're not able to go do this. Your brothers are, you know, doing something, and you're sitting at home. And I feel so bad. And then at the end, she couldn't even go downstairs hardly. She had to stay upstairs because yeah. the steps were hurting. And they, You know, she couldn't breathe. She, she would pass out on the steps. One time she got her neck stuck. Um, I don't know. Do you remember that? I think, yeah, I do think I might remember something about that. Yeah, she 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 had her neck stuck one time, and her brothers had to help me straighten her neck out. Nick did, and help her down the steps while she was passed out. And then her dad's calling nine one one, but we couldn't get her up because it was so difficult because she had ballooned up with oxygen with weight from her water because her lungs weren't you know 
working right. So she was retaining a ton of water and we couldn't help her up. And she was literally drowning because she was upside down for a while. And it took us like two or three minutes to get her down these steps. And the ambulance got there and thank God my neighbor came over in, in, in his underwear. My landlord's ex-husband came over in his underwear and helped us get her up so she could breathe or she wouldn't have made it. Um, and then we got her to the hospital and they sent her home, you know, a couple hours later. And she's like, nothing's wrong with me. I don't know what you people are talking about. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, she, she knew how to kind of take it on the chin and keep going. That was something I kind of got away with when we kind of, we would take personal jabs at each other in, in, in a joking way where she could make fun of my eyes or I could make fun of her breathing or something. And it was just kind of what we did to kind of get through it because we both knew yeah. it was very depressing, but it, it, it helped us to just kind of, you know, like I said, take it on the chin and just keep on moving. But, you know, obviously deep down we were really bothered by it, but yeah, she, she was able to really bounce back and recover pretty quickly, at least emotionally. Yeah. yeah she was, she was a, she was very resistant to anything that would bring her down. And I'm, I'm grateful that she was that way, but I also wish she would have expressed her feelings to me more because, I, I, I feel like she had to hide a lot of things, so she didn't hurt us, and we, we didn't care if she hurt us, but she cared about us so much that she didn't want to tell us everything in her heart. Yeah, I mean, she would tell me most things, but I know she kept things from me, too, because she knew how much we cared, and, you know, every little detail could have mattered and could have hurt us more. Uh, obviously, right. we wanted to know, but maybe maybe we didn't need to know. Because it, you know, there's nothing we could have done really anyway. But I don't know. It just, it, it, it's just how it played out. I mean, it played out the way it did. And now, yeah. did she tell you about something that happened in her childhood when she was little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do you mind if I talk about that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. So my sister um, sexually molested her and my other son, Josh. And she made them do a lot of bad things. And nobody told me about it until my kids were, I'm going to say middle teenagers, probably around 17 and 15, and five, maybe even 15 and 13. But finally, the two, two older ones told me, because from what I understand, nothing ever happened to my youngest. Um, and, you know, finally she told me, and she's like, Mom, this is how good of a heart this my, my daughter had. She said, Mom, please don't hold it against Rhonda. Don't hate her. Don't fight with her. Don't hurt her. Don't put her in jail. We're not going to pursue this. She said, because I don't want it. She said, I don't want to have this going on. I want it to let it go. But we're talking to me and Josh are talking to you about it. So you know what, what happened, but we do not want you to kill Rhonda. <laughs> and, and she truly didn't. She truly didn't want us to fight with her over this. Now, needless to say, you know, I, I couldn't keep that promise. I, 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 the only thing I did was I kept her out of my life. My, my sister has no, I have nothing to do with her at all. Good. But, um, you know, I didn't pursue anything because I promised them I wouldn't. I promised them that, you know, I, you know, I would, I would still be my sister's sister. Something happened. She said, Hey, I need, if you have an extra, you know, body part that I need, I would offer it to her. And I, I will. And I'll, I would give it to him, but that would that would be it. I would have no no conversations, nothing to do with her because of what happened. But I will keep my promise to my daughter. And for her to for somebody to say that after all the horror my sister put her through, 
to say, hey, you promised me that you will never go out for, you'll never come out for, you know, to get justice for me. My justice will be, you'll, you'll always be your sister's sister. You'll always, you know, she needs something, you'll be there and you won't pursue any legal action. So I did that. I promised her and I, I never broke it, but I did break it because I did cut off contact with her. Now, she knows that something happens. My other sisters would, would get a hold of me, but my daughter has such a good heart. Yeah, she she had a great heart, a very good sense of humor. She she was a very weird person, and I say that with love, like, you know, yeah. things that she liked. She would, like, she liked her pancakes, like, with the batter still in it. And yeah. She liked dipping Cheetos and ketchup. Like, she just liked weird things, and she just had a very weird sense of humor and had a very good laugh. And But, yeah, but at, at, the, at the center of it all, she just had a very big heart. And uh, I think she struggled a lot of times with trying to be a good person, but also struggling with like her inner demons that are constantly, you know, revealing to her, you know, how fucked up her life really is. And she's trying to, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I I think that if she would have gotten this cancer, she, you know, we don't know when she got it, but, you know, nine years old when she was diagnosed with it, um, I think if she'd have got it when she was like 14 or 15, her whole life would have been different because she would have already had friends. She would have already had a foundation in her, who she is. She was just getting to that point in her life when we found out about this, that her life was turned upside down. So she didn't have time for those developmental years where she, psychologically, she knew who she was by then. She didn't have that time to do that. She had to at nine years old, her life became, I'm getting ready to become a teenager. I'm getting ready to do all this. Um, to, oh my God, next, in three days, I'm having brain surgery from the day that we found out. To, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm on chemo at nine. I'm on radiation at nine. Um, you know, doctors are telling me I'm not going to live very long at nine years old. These are the years where, you know, you start having sleepovers or you start, you know, going to Girl Scouts or you, she, she, she couldn't do those things. And I think that's what destroyed her heart a lot because she couldn't do the other things her friends did. Yeah. I mean, she, she just, uh, you can tell at like the source of it, she really just wanted some sort of normalcy, but she was never really given that. She was never able to just live a normal life in any real shape or form of it. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I try to do my best to, to give her something, but, you know, it, it's hard because, you know, and that was one of the things that disconnect, I think, within our relationship because we couldn't actually see each other. You know, I had to try to make as much, you know, theatrics and goof around and have a good time, make her laugh as much as I could to keep her distracted from all the things that are just ailing her because life was tough and... and there was no, there was no sugarcoating what she was going through, but, you know, like I said, all I could do is make her laugh because I couldn't, and you know, keep her company over the phone. Uh, yeah, it's, you let her order your meals. I remember that she loves it. She loves to order your lunch and your dinner. Yeah, I'd call like Domino's or whatever, and I just have her <laughs> order it. Um, <laughs> it was very entertaining. Just put her on three-way call. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it, it was just. 
being around her for as long as I was for those three, four years, it was just very fun. You know, had a lot of good times. And, and you know, that, that call I got, I believe it was Nick that called me uh, to let me know she had passed. And, yeah, it was the roughest. Like, it, I mean, I... I've lost some people in my life that I care about, but I never lost anybody on that level. Still, um, obviously, knock on wood, but um, you know. But that she was she was the biggest loss I ever had taken, and, and, and in, a, in a sense of a person. And you know, it was it really just tore me apart because I was just I felt like I was just trying to like rebirth our relationship. Just you know. And we finally, we started to get somewhere, but it, you know, because our last call was so great, and it was two days previous, and now she's gone, and now I got to sit there and deal with, like, the grief of what could I have done better. And really, I got over that many years later. I realized there really wasn't much I could have done, um, but, you know, there was a lot of self-loathing and, and just, you know, just tearing my own, you know, inner self up for, for a good while. Yeah, I did the same thing, and her brothers did the same thing. Her dad did the same thing. It's just, it's a normal reaction for people to do that. Um, you know, you gave her the last few days of her life were the happiest because she, you and her were back together. Um, trust me, it was very hard for her to. Her last two days, the two, two days before she died, she had signed a um, DNR, and her dad talked her out of having it real, like where they were going to honor it. So she'd already, after she got with you, we put her on life support. And, and then um, her dad talked to her on the phone, and obviously she couldn't talk, but, you know, I was the one that was, you know how I did it. I went for her, yes, no, whatever she was shaking her head for. And um, her dad said, Lori, don't, don't do this, don't do this. And so she asked had the doctor come in and you know wrote down I want I do not want the CNR I want you to bring me back if something happens and the hospital said well we don't know if the doctor will do that because once you find a DNR you're, you're pretty much locked into it you can't change it and um, according to what Ohio State Hospital said and um, so the doctor actually was going to let her after a few hours we talked to him he was going to let it happen and then he said, but I'm going to tell you, he said, you're not the one too good. So um, he said, but I, I will, we will honor that. So that, that night I went home and because um, I thought things might get better. I went home. I had to go home. I had two other little kids that needed their mom to come home and take care of some things, get some groceries, pay some bills. I had to get some money. Um, you know, I didn't have a car. I had to borrow a piece of car to get home my sister's car and um because I have three sisters and I, so I got home and um our our car actually got out of the shop that day so I spent the night at home and the next day me and my husband both came up to the hospital and um we were wondering why there was a lot of doctors in front of her door and he he said I I asked the doctor said what's going on how's Lori he's like Oh, she's doing better right now. He said, but we need to talk. And he took us into the um, chapel. And <clears throat> he said, Lori had a massive heart attack last night. It was not her first heart attack, though, but this was the first massive. He said, um, we did bring her back. He said, because that was what she would requested. He said, but she's building up another one. So we can tell by her blood work what's going on. 
He said, another one's going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours. He said, it's going to kill her. He said, it's going to be very painful. What do you want to do? And I said, well, what did you find out what's wrong with her breathing? Why she can't breathe? And he said, yeah. I said, well, can you fix that? Will that help? And he said, no. He said, she has pulmonary fibrosis. Her lungs are getting hard and they're cracking and they're getting, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not working. And so, you know, I said, well, how long can we have? And they, he said, you have as long as she can give you. He said, but I don't think she's going to live another 10 hours. So my husband took a chair at the chapel and threw it at the doctor. And, you know, the doctor didn't hold anything against my husband. Security did come, but nothing happened out of it because they knew my husband was, you know, he was having a bad moment. Um, so that's when I got a hold of my kids and my sisters and everything, asked them to, you know, help me get my kids down there, help me get everything done. And um, and I know this has nothing to do with what you were talking about. No, probably, you're but, fine. You're fine. Go. Um, but, you know, my boys were there. And Nick, my youngest, was only 17 at the time. And he had promised his sister that he would sign her off if he was there. So the doctor asked me if, when, by the time he got there, his doctor said, hey, I need you to sign this paper to take her off life support. We're not going to bring her back. We're going to take her off life support. We're just going to let her, her pass away peacefully. He said, we're going to help her a little bit so there's no pain. He said, the medicine will help her pass away quicker than letting her suffer because she's going to drown. And so I said, okay. So me and my youngest went out there at 17. And the um, the nurse was standing there, and I, I have a very bad temper when it comes to my husband and my children or anybody I really love. Yeah. And the nurse said, I need you to sign this. And I said, okay, and I signed it, my name. And then my youngest said, mom, I'm going to sign it. And the nurse grabbed it and said, I need your signature. And I looked at her and I said, he's, he's signing it. And she said, no, he, first of all, he's not, not even 18. She said, and second of all, all I needed was the parent's signature. Um, and I looked at her and I said, listen, I said, if you want here when you walk out of this hospital tonight, you let him sign that paper. I said, because I might be a bigger girl. I said, I can get around that counter before security can get up here to save you. I said, I will rip the hair out of your head. And she looked at me and thought, oh, that woman might do it. So she let Nick sign that paper and he actually wrote brother and made me write mother beside my name. And then she looked at him and said, you know, that doesn't matter at all. She said, I did it to shut your mom up. And I was like, Nick, go into the room. And I went out on that lady and I, I literally, I went around the counter and we had to go around. Um, they didn't call security on me, but that lady found out what I thought of her. <laughs> um, Good for you. There was, there was no two ways. But I think she also knew that with her smart ass, sorry, her attitude, that there was no way she would have been defended by hotel personnel because of what she said to my son yeah. um, at, you know, at that moment. Because uh, Lori wanted him to sign, and I, I made sure he did that. Yeah, and you're just making a situation worse than it already is. Like, you can't, you can't, they're, you're losing, you know, you're looking at parents and siblings lose, you know, a very important person in their life, and you're, you're supposed to make that situation is, better. Yeah, it's better. The best way you can, it's part of your job, and you're just pissing all over it. Right. It was her last, one of her last wishes. And then I remember when she was in the hospital uh, the year before. Do you remember on Easter when she was in the hospital the year before? 
you'll have to refresh my memory on I'm sure I do. But Easter eggs. Yeah, I think I remember a little bit about it. Yeah, she colored Easter eggs um, in the hospital on life support. She would walk, and she they would unhook the machine from the wall, and they would let her walk around um, the floor, ICU floor. Like, they would let her wander the hallway as long as she had her mom in, you know, and the nurse was aware, they would unhook her machine and let her walk, and they said they never have patients walk on life support anywhere because they're afraid of them getting hurt, passing out, falling, ripping the tube out, whatever. Um, <laughs> but they said with her, they knew she wasn't going to do any of this. She, this was a normal thing for her, having these, you know, these tubes down her throat, breathing for her. And so they would let her walk the hallway. She was so strong. But one day... That while she was there, right before they let her do those things, there was a um, a new nurse there that didn't know her, and she said, "I have we were getting admitted," and she said, "I have to ask you some questions." She said, "Have you ever thought about you know killing yourself?" And Lori's like, "Well, I'm 20." And she's like, "Yeah, I've thought about it. You know, who hasn't?" And she's like, "Okay." She said, "Are you suicidal now?" And Lori's like, "No, I'm not suicidal." She said, "But I'm honest. I'm going to tell you the truth. You ask me any question, I'm telling you the truth." Yes, in my 20 years of life, I have thought, why should I be here? Why should I have to suffer through all this? She said, would you rather I lie to you? So the lady's like, no, no, I just have to ask this. And then she put my daughter on suicide watch. Well, they had this late for, for almost two days. She was on suicide watch, and I ended that too. But she had this, there was this lady that came in, and she took, brought in um, a big gulp, soft, and a sandwich and some chips from like Subway or something and started eating it at the foot of my daughter's bed on at a table. And my daughter was living. My daughter was like pointing at her crying because she hadn't eaten over a week. You know, she, she's on that hospital stuff that they see her through tubes, but it's not the same as actually chewing it mentally and swallowing it, you know, feeling it and tasting it in your mouth. So she really, she was hurt. So I went out and told the nurse, I said, listen, if that lady wants hair when she lives here tonight, she better stay out of that room. They were like, she's on suicide. What's your daughter? We can't make her leave. And I said, well, then I'll make her leave. I said, because I'll rip her hair out. Um, I said, I also want a nursing supervisor here right now um, because that is, not, that is not a good practice to have somebody on suicide watch and somebody eating in front of them when the person's on life support. I'm like, come on. Um, so the nursing supervisor came, ended up hospital some hospital manager came and they apologized profusely but I still filed a complaint against you know against several people because I thought that was neglect um, they took her immediately off suicide watch they said you know we don't even know why she did that and my daughter was honest and said no I'm not suicidal yes I have felt suicidal you know who hasn't in their one at least one moment in their life um, you know they took her off of it there was times when she would wake up and they would have her on, they would have her on a vent again and, and they would have her handcuffed to, to the bed and she would be like, mom, she would write me, mom, please just get them to let me loose and I can't handle this. Lori had claustrophobia, claustrophobia really bad yeah. and, and I, and I would have to explain to them, listen, just loosen them up a little bit so she can move them at least four or five inches and then it took usually two days. And they're like, well, if she reaches, you know, if she reaches, she's going to try to get that tube out. And I'm like, no, she's not. She's not stupid. Even at nine years old, she knew not to touch that tube. She never attempted to rip them out. And finally, after usually two days, they would take it off of her and they'd be like, 
you know, if you leave the room, you have to put her hands back in here. If you go to the bathroom, you have to put her hands back in here. And after, I'm going to say a couple, probably two or three times of being on life support in the hospital, because this was at Children's, not at Ohio State, where I hated. They treated her horrible, I felt like. But when she was a, considered a child under 18, they they got to her name, actually, like, the nurses knew who she was. And they're like, we're not, we're not tying her hands down. After two or three years, they were like, we're not, we're not doing that. After an hour of her being awake, we're, we're untying her. We know she's coherent. The medicine's wearing off, and she's not going to, you know, accidentally do it. So she she was very strong. She never attempted to do anything anybody ever said no to. She was she was such a good girl. And I know this isn't helping you, PJ. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I'm I'm just we're remembering her, so I'm just happy you're telling. Like I said, I didn't know a lot of this, so I'm I'm just listening and. Um, you know, because Lori's not the, and another reason to do this is there's other people going through shit like this. It's people's kids that are dealing with this right now. And, you know, no one's talking about it, unfortunately. And I, I've, I've had some bad care in my, my day as well. And um, I've had people on tell their stories of, of you know, bad procedures, um, you know, just medical yeah. etiquette and procedure, just just treating them poorly and, and doing things, as you were saying, like yeah. eating in front of them. And just, just you know, again, that, that whole mental health thing is a rough one because yeah you, you want to be honest and you want to say you know yeah i i have thoughts because i have a rough life but that doesn't mean i'm going to kill myself but when you do that sometimes they throw you in a straitjacket and handcuff you to a you know a gurney and say here you go you're going to sit here and you're going to think about how you you shouldn't think like that you like sometimes being honest you pay for it and um mental health in our in our um in our in our uh, country, is a joke. I'm sorry. I've worked in mental health many, many, many years. You know that. I've worked in lockdown psych units. I've worked in domestic violence. I've worked in sexual assault. I've worked in, you know, I've brought people out of prison, out of jail to help them rehabilitate their lives because they were drug addicts and stuff. Mental health is a joke here because society sees it, the government sees it as money. They don't really recognize it as much as they should. Um, other countries like Britain, they're more advanced in mental health. They're even like more gracious to people that have mental health problems. Everybody has some form of mental health problem. And, you know, nobody is completely normal. Nobody's atypical, 100%. Um, we all have something. We all think, you know, our eyes get too far apart. Our, we're, you know, we're too fat. You know, I walk funny. You know, my nose is too big. Something that makes us paranoid. Something that makes us off. Um, but, you know, society doesn't, they're, they're not very gracious to us, um, about mental health problems and we should be, we should recognize that we should, we should encourage people to speak up and not be ashamed or afraid to say, Hey, I have a problem and I need help. Um, but they don't, they don't care about it. But I remember one time Lori was, oh, she was probably 13 and I'm sorry to say this, <laughs> but Lori was started her period. Um, and she, I mean, she started them pretty young too. I did say that I was at 10. I think she was like not 11, 11 or 12. Um, but she started her period and had to have a brain surgery. She had four brain surgeries in her life. Um, and the nurse, her dad was sitting at the foot of the bed, literally like looking up at her from the foot of the bed. And the nurse pulled the gown of the blanket off of Lori when, after we brought her into her room. And they give you a lot of blood thinners when you're having surgery so you don't get clots. Well, she flooded the bed. She flooded everything. I mean, it was like all over her legs, everywhere. 
And the nurse just pulled the blanket off and her dad's sitting there and her dad's like, oh, I'm going out of the room. And Lori was crying. And she told that nurse, she's like, my dad isn't there. Do you not care that you're embarrassing me and it's making him uncomfortable? And the nurse was like, what's your dad? It shouldn't matter. And she's like, it should matter. You should have some decency for me. You should respect me. You should respect my father. You should respect yourself to think, what would I feel like if somebody did this for me, to me? Um, she was very, she was very upset over it. I remember that, and the nurse, the nurse didn't get it, that that was a Lord's age. You don't do stuff like that. And me, I, I wouldn't care if my kids were sitting down there at the bottom. They wouldn't care. They'd offer to help clean it. But when you're a child, it's, there's a big difference, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Your body's changing. You're embarrassed. You don't want your parents to see that or even know about it. Well, you know, and, and to have that happen, you know, she was just, she was, she was devastated. And, she started shutting down around that time where like you could, you could stab her with, she got stuck 32 times. I think it was in her toes, her hands, her legs. They tried to put IVs in her arms. They tried to put them in her legs. They tried everywhere. Um, they couldn't get anything because her veins were shot between chemo, radiation and everything. And they did get one finally in the little pinky toe of her toe. And she didn't even cry the whole time they were sticking her. She never even uttered a word. And she was shutting down. And, and I knew it. Her parent, her dad knew it. Her brothers knew it. And so finally her one doctor said, you know, we need to put her in counseling. And, and so we were like, okay, that's fine. I'm, we're not against that. You know, and he's like, well, I want her to go up here, but we're going to do it over the phone. He said, because I know you live so far away. Well, after over the course of a few months, they were like, you know, we need to talk to your mom again. So I always said, don't do anything behind her back. Don't call me to talk about her without her knowing it, because I want an open communication with my children. I don't want them to think I have secrets from about them from them. And so, um, and I know she always thought I did, but I didn't. So, um, you know, because I think all kids would think that. But um, he, the the doctor called and said, hey, we need. A we need to give, have you give Lori permission to cuss. And I was like, okay, she can cuss. And they said, no, we want you and your husband to sit down and talk to her and say, Lori, cuss, learn these bad words and give her words. Say, this word means this. You can use it for anything you want. This word means that. And you can use it. So uh, over the course of probably another two or three months, the doctors and the everybody got her to start speaking up about stuff. So one day, probably within a first year of this, she went to the doctors and the nurse had to do something and it hurt really bad. I think it was trying to get an IV in her, in like her port in her chest. And the nurse was like really hurting her. And, um, and the, um, Lori looked at her and said, stop that you FNBI. And the nurse was like, what? And, and she's like, yes. And I'm allowed to say that you asked my doctor <laughs> because she finally started speaking up. And I think, you know, she shut down to the point where the doctor said she might kill herself. We have to be proactive. And if you don't care, letting her vocalize bad words makes children feel empowered. It makes them feel bigger because they're saying what they we consider bad words. Well, we never taught our kids that there was a bad word. If it's a word, it's a word. We, we don't believe that there's a bad word. We don't believe that there's a bad body part to say, even if you say the correct terminology. There's no reason for, you know, I, we don't, I never brought my kids up that that was a shameful word or that was something you don't say. If it's, in, if it's a word, it's a word. If it's in the dictionary, it's okay. You can say it. But my kids also, like, had that respect for the people where they knew 
you know, you, John Doe may not like that word. So we, we try to be a little respectful. Well, that wasn't because of me. <laughs> I didn't teach them that. I was like, I didn't care what people thought. Right? I thought that's everybody. Yeah. I want my children to be truthful and, just, you know, if something happens, you, you know, just speak up. But because of their dad, they, they respected people probably more than I would have. But not that I was a mean person, but they, they, they were very careful about, you know, what they said to people. But now they're older, so my boys aren't as careful anymore. Yeah, well, she so went through. She went through so much. She got became so desensitized, and you know, yeah. it makes sense that she got so numb and just, you know, because sticking you thirty times in your body like that just became the normal for her. And you know, to, to internalize that, you get depressed, and you just kind of go on a, you just go into a dark place, and you just, you know, it just like I said, when when bad things become your new normal, that's when life gets really rough. Yeah. And I wish she was here to see that all the changes, the good and the bad, but like her dad, you know, her dad's sick, you know, that, um, you know, he's got kidney yeah. cancer, he's got skin cancer that we got rid of, but, you know, he's got to be careful. He only has one kidney and he's got cancer in it and he has no more adrenaline glands, which means he has no adrenaline in his body naturally. So we have to take steroids every day three times a day for the rest of his life or he'll his heart will quit beating he'll die um you know and then we have to watch his kidneys function because you know the cancer and everything he's got cysts inside of it that you know cause problems and you know he's got so much going on he's had a couple strokes he's had a couple heart attacks but you know he's he still would be working to this day if it hadn't been for the covid and where he worked at he worked for the county they said we can't keep you so they they got rid of him and uh, they said, you know, we're going to retire you. Well, the retirement was, it didn't go very far because we took the lump sum to keep us going. And again, you know, almost $30,000 doesn't last very long. So no. we use that to help finance everything because I work a part-time job. And, you know, to take and meet, make ends meet. I work, I, I work a full-time job, but I get paid part-time hours. If that makes sense. I, I work 40 hours a week, but to keep my husband able to have his medical um to pay for his medicine i only got paid 36 hours my boss only gave me 36 hours and over the course of three years i only i never got a raise because i told her i couldn't afford a raise if i got a raise my husband wouldn't have his medical if i got more than 36 hours my husband wouldn't qualify for the medical card well where i worked at didn't offer any um, medical so I had no choice other than to let him stay on that so you know I would love for Lori to be here and see you know her dad because now even though he's got kidney cancer his, our, our older son started a business called blue water power washing and he 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 does he started this so his dad wouldn't sit around and just vegetate and be alone my son gave up working a full-time job to stay home and run a pressure washing business so he could clean outside buildings of apartments and houses and hotels to keep his dad busy. So his dad is with him. His dad may not do much, but he goes with him. He may just pull out the, the pressure washer. He might go get, get Josh cleaners, but he that's what Josh's way of keeping his dad busy. And so every day they're doing something. Josh, you know, they that day they might go do this. That day they might do that. But Josh is like, this is why I did it. So he calls my husband fat boy. He says, so fat boy, and keeps busy so he doesn't die 
He's like, because you're a daddy. You're a sad boy or everything to us. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't live without you guys. And so Lori, my son, well, Lori huh? would have been so proud of that because I know at one point their relationship was very strained. And, um, you know, that was always a thing. Josh kind of, he was kind of the, the rebellious one. And so he would right. get, he got out a lot of times, and I know there was a big thing early on between you know when he finally did come out and all that. But even when that healed, it, Josh kind of was still acting out at times, and he kind of strayed away from the family at times. And it, I know that really affected her because she wanted the closeness between everybody, and I think she would be very proud not only of him but just how happy she would be of just how you know how he's turned his life around and, and, and what he's doing for the family. Yeah, I mean, we're like here. I'm, I'm not even joking. We're just a few. If everything keeps going right, we're a few months from being able to purchase a house free and clear, like pay for it with cash. Oh, that's awesome. Not have to worry about anything. And yeah, it's not going to be you know like an expensive house. We're looking for something around fifty thousand dollars. And where we live at, that's not unreasonable. You can get a decent house where we live at for fifty thousand. Um, yeah, who cares? You know, that's awesome. From where you guys were, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, right now we're living in a dump. We're living in a trailer that's caught on fire left and right. Um, we're living in a place that is probably 60 years old. I own it free and clear, but I rent the land. Um, you know, but it's a home right now. You know, I mean, it's where I live at. We don't have a heater. We don't have furnace. But, you know, we keep it going with kerosene heaters and with little fake fireplaces that we plug in, which causes us fires. Um, but, you know, we're, we're surviving. And this year we did get, we did purchase some propane tanks and we're going to put a blue light flame in here where it'll help keep the house warm. We don't have to run kerosene or anything, but you know, we're just seriously, we're hoping we can buy a house before the end of the year. We're hoping that everything goes right. And if not, then we are 95% sure that next year we're going to be able to buy that home. We, because we, Josh is starting to get businesses that call him like big businesses for like $150,000 deals. Um, they take a long time to make these, you know, like these negotiations, but we're 95% sure that he has at least one in the books for next year. So we're hoping that the deposit they give us early will be enough to get us a home and get his equipment and everything with a little bit we've saved up already. That's awesome. Lori would be so proud. Yeah. So happy. And, And then her, you know, her youngest brother has been through college twice. You know, um, his employer, he works for Fanatic, and they, they, they pay for him to go to college twice. Um, he, he, you know, he makes, oh, my God, he makes more than me. He makes, like, $26 an hour, $28 an hour. He, you know, he helps train people. He makes PDF um, things for, for how to run the warehouse, and he, you know, he makes SKUs, and I don't even know what the, all it's called. He's smart, but... <laughs> He does all this, and Lori would be so proud of her baby brother. And, and he even says, "Mom, I was he owned his he owns his own place. He had, owns a three bedroom trailer that's pretty nice." And he's like, "Well, there's be room here for Lori." He said, "If she wanted to stay, he said I'd let her live with me." Well, they'd fight, but you know. Yeah, of course. Um, so he, he, they're everything my kids do, even to the day, is Lori would like this. Lori would have loved this. Lori would be mad. Well, you know, Lori wouldn't like the food. This food. You know, they, they, they never not talk about her, which I love. Um, cause they, everything they do is with her in their heart. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no, that's, yeah, cause I wanted to kind of turn this, kind of wrap it up here and try to make it 
and to you know end it positively which is that's amazing just knowing that because i didn't even know that about both of them um yeah it's just i got a good job now so you know yeah i make yeah. I, I work for the department of veterans affairs and you know i make really good money now i and, and the best thing for me is i get to stay home with my husband i work from home i i get I log on my computer in my bedroom in the morning um, I work from home. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. Probably two, three times a year, I go to Pittsburgh, to, you know, for a training or something, or my computer to be worked on. But beyond that, <clears throat> I work at home, and and I make decent money. And I've only been there six months, but this is the job I'm going to stay at for the rest of my life. I've never had where I made this much money to pay my bills and been able to take care of my husband, where I felt that I was doing something for somebody. And I'm, I feel like I'm doing something bigger than I am. And that makes me feel so good um, because I used to feel that way when I took care of Laura. It took care of something bigger than me. I, knew, I was responsible for her health, for her life. And then when she left me, that kind of left me empty where I didn't have anything to do, nothing bigger than that needed me. So this gave me that need. And so I'm really, I knew she would really be happy about that. Yeah. Um, kind of getting to the end here. Like, do you, is there like one moment that you can like that kind of defines Lori, like a, a good memory that you have of her, the one that sticks out? Uh, yeah, it's it's good memory, but it's kind of sad too. But it's a really good memory. I remember one time I was I was a uh, I was draining potatoes because I was making mashed potatoes, and I cooked them in a pressure cooker, and I drained them, and they spilled on me the water did um and she flipped out because i had third degree burn and the rest of her life every time i would drain anything hot she'd be like mama mama let daddy do that let daddy do it don't she's like i don't want to get burnt she was always hovering over everything to make sure nobody would get hurt and i know that might not sound like a good memory but it is because that's like in our jet house that's a big joke like nope mom can't drain anything or it'll be upset (laughs) No, that's great. But uh, yeah, that it shows who she is. Um, I did want to ask you. So, how far are you from like Cincinnati? Cincinnati, um, Ohio. Obviously. Hold on, hold on one minute, Alexa. How far is Texas, Ohio, to Cincinnati, Ohio? Two hundred and twenty miles. How much? 220 miles. Okay, well, because I'm, I'm planning on hopefully getting this procedure at some point next year, and I'm going to be in Kentucky, which is right next to Cincinnati. And, uh, oh, okay. So we can find some way to meet at some point, because there's going to be a point where I'm going to be down there for a week. Um, in um, Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky, yeah. And oh, if, yeah. So we can find a way, because I'll be much closer than I am currently. Um, yeah, I don't know how far you are from here. From uh, us now. Uh, yeah, because I'm like three hours from Pittsburgh. It's, oh, really? Yeah. So I'm probably somewhere wow. around the six, seven hour range from you, possibly. Oh. Um, I don't know. Maybe a little less um, because we, we drove through Kentucky. We drove through all through Ohio to get to Kentucky. And it's about an eight hour drive to get to Kentucky from here. Um, so it's, yeah, it might be it probably more more like six, five and a half, six to you. And you have somebody take you to this? Yeah, my mom, because she's going to be the donor for this procedure, so oh, okay. she'll be there. So even even if even if Kentucky's too far, we can find ways to meet halfway from there. But uh, no, I don't mind. I'll we'll drive. I'll drive there. 
I Don't definitely worry. want to make that happen. I mean, obviously, I want to get this procedure done, but I definitely want, while I'm down there, I want to make it worth it because then I can actually see you guys and we can uh, figure something out. But I wanted to let you know that because, um, you know, they're dicking me around right now with everything. And so, but uh, this procedure will get done one way or another on my eyes. It's just if I wanted to make sure so you know that way we can actually meet up at some point. Yeah, that's been one of our dreams, me and Rick, to meet you. Well, we will we will do it. Um, you're our son. You're our son-in-law. You're our best friend in our hearts because we love you. And because you meant so much to the Lord, you became so much to us. I so, appreciate you know, that very much. I, I there's like nothing you. you could ever ask for that we wouldn't be able to do for you if we could. I appreciate that very much. Trust me. I see. I, I feel the exact same way. Um, I really thank you for, for doing this because, I mean, obviously it's something that means a lot to you. It's Lori, but you didn't have to do it. I mean, you don't have to talk about it. I mean, but I, I feel like the way we can remember her, even though I know we focused a lot on the bad times as far as all her physical ailments I'm and sorry. things. No, no, but it, but it may, but we we had to paint a picture of how much she struggled and how much she fought. But at the same time, within that, you still showed how strong she was, and and you know that she still had a personality and she was still funny and she was still her own person. Um, and a lot of that, these are, these are type of people we don't get to hear much about. And I'm happy to be able to, to tell it because she, she needed to, you know, she needs people to know about her because she was an amazing person. And I remember one time, and I know you're probably dumb, but I remember one time her and her brothers would, she was probably seven and her brothers were five and three. And I, we lived on a three story house and I don't know how they did it, but they kept going on the roof and throwing toys off the roof. And I kept telling them, stop. I didn't know how to get up there. Suddenly I realized they were opening the window, climbing on the on the roof, and they were throwing toys off there at these little ages. And so I put a nail in the window, and I thought they couldn't open it. Well, years later, my children told me that they knew how to open the window, and they used to go sit on the roof but not throw anything out at 7, 5, and 3 behind our backs, like when I was at work, um, and my husband was supposed to be watching them. So, Lori was a very strong-willed. She liked to do anything with her brother, especially Daredevil stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I need to make sure you didn't, I didn't lose you. Well, PJ, I'll let you go. Um, you may call. Let me know when this episode airs, okay? Oh, I will. Yep. Yeah, um, we're going to keep in touch a lot more now that I have your new number and... Um, yeah, like I said, I'll uh, I'll definitely let you know. You'll be the first one to know. Yeah, and you text me occasionally just to say, I hey, will. what's going on? Tell me about your life. If you have a girlfriend, whatever, you know, when you're having a bad time, text me. I will I will definitely. I might even start calling you once a week just to keep in touch with you guys. And, um, yeah. yeah, no, please do. Uh, um, like I said, we will definitely talk a lot more now. Yeah, and we always remember your birthday because your birthday is either, I think it's the day after my husband's or the day before. Which one is his? Yeah, um, his is October fifth, and you're I'm six. like right around. Yeah, I'm the sixth. Yeah. yeah. So every year at my husband's birthday, I'm like, it's his birthday too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like I said, I, I'm so happy you did this. Thank you. You know, I love you guys, and uh, if you need anything, you know, I'm around. All right, hon. I love you too. I'll let you go. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I knew it would be, but, you know, 
just because I know how much that affected her and just rehab, you know, just going through it again. And, um, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it needed to be done, but I hope somebody got something from it. If not, I did this for myself. I did this for her family and I did it for her more importantly. Um, but yeah, like I said, if there's anybody's story I need to share, it's hers because she never ever got to tell it and never will. And the only way it, it gets told is through someone like me. So, um, yeah. And if you want to go back and listen to episode 10, that's an, I, I tell some other stories and details, um, more from my point of view than, than Lori, uh, than, than angels. But this one was a lot better. Um, and I'm so, I'm so happy she, you know, she, she, she scared me in the beginning cause she was saying how bad her memory was, but I don't, I don't think it affected her much. She did wonderful. So, um, but yeah, Lori, this was for you, sweetie. Um, you're clearly loved and your, uh, your family's doing so well and I know you'd be happy about that. So I love you, sweetie. And, uh, we're out of here. <laughs> Thank you.